Welcome back to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for this new season, bringing you the best docs from the DocSF Experience 21. So after our previous discussions on applied AI, now we bring you the Bone Tank, a brand new segment at DocSF. We have always featured top-of-class startups at DocSF, and we have a bit of a magic touch in that regard. But two-thirds of our companies go on to raising more capital. In this segment, we will join Mark Goldstein from UCSF Health Hub, Dr. Vonda Wright from Northside Hospital, and Professor Fabrizio Billy, a bioengineer PhD from UCLA, Department of Orthopedic Surgery. They will listen and comment on five pitches from five startups, each focused on the orthopedic space. Tensor, a guided physical therapy platform, Glender, focusing on automatic reduction of PHI from medical images. Indigo, a wireless arthroscopy camera. Caliber.ai, AI-powered intraoperative information and guidance. And Kila Health, an insights as a services company. Let's join Fabrizio and his panel on the DocSF virtual stage. Welcome to Bone Tank. My name is Fabrizio Billy, and I will be your host today. I'm a professor in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at UCLA, working on novel diagnostic and therapeutic technology, center de- development, and medical devices. In a word, I try to solve issues that surgeons and patients encounter every day. I am very excited and thankful to have you all here for this terrific DocSF 21 segment. Over the past several weeks, we scouted for musculoskeletal startups to share their high-impact solution with you. In doing so, we looked for companies that use forward-thinking technology to optimize the inpatient, outpatient, and operational aspect of musculoskeletal care. This year, competition for the bone tank was fierce, and selecting only five companies among those that apply was a tough job. But we made it. We selected the five companies that today will have the opportunity to pitch all of us with a five-minute presentation, followed by a live Q&A. With me during the live session and fellow judges, Vonda Wright and Mark Goldstein. Dr. Wright has been named the mobility doctor. She's a double burdened orthopedic sports surgeon who specializes in minimally invasive surgery of the hip, shoulder, and neck. For 20 years, she has dedicated her work and research as a surgeon, professional sport doctors, keynote speaker, biotech consultant, nonprofit founder, and published author to maximize healthy living and active aging. Also with me, Mark Goldstein. Mark is the chairman and founder of the UCSF Health. He's also a general partner at Builders VC. Mark generally invests in early stages healthcare companies, but before that, he was an entrepreneur. He started a dozen of companies, seriously. He is, as he likes to say, an entrepreneur turned investor and advisor. And to kick us off, Tensor. Hello, everyone. My name is Lucas, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Tensor Health. I spent four years doing physical therapy to avoid back surgery. It was frustrating and at times depressing because it hurt to do my exercises, and I had no clear path to recovery. So at Tensor Health, we're all about bringing digital transformation to the $34 billion physical therapy industry using intelligent sensors, engaging software, and value-added services to provide patients with unmatched motivation guidance, and certainty in their recovery. Think of us as the peloton of physical therapy. Did you know that one in two Americans suffer from muscular pain? Actually, injuries continue to increase due to our sedentary lifestyle and growing aging population. Now, physical therapists do great work and are essential, but the industry is riddled with problems. 
wait till you see a physical therapist along. And it's actually getting worse because there's a severe shortage of therapists. And of course, COVID-19 has made things significantly worse. So patients just don't have what they need to recover from pain effectively. So that's where we come in. We solved this using the TensorHealth platform, which enables physical therapists and patients to engage in physical therapy from the convenience of their home. By providing patients with precise real-time guidance via fun and engaging games so they know exactly what they need to do to recover. Now, we're focused on critical joint injuries due to Tensor's patent-pending sensing technology, one of our key differentiators. And are starting with hand, wrist, and elbow injuries. So think of conditions like wrist fracture, wrist arthritis, carpal tunnel, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, spasticity due to stroke. As for the business model, patients subscribe to the Tensor Rehab service on average for six months at $79 a month. And we have a two-pronged approach to get customers, online and clinics. So online includes, you know, demand generation driven by Facebook ad, Google AdWords direct to the patient. And here are some of our clinical partnerships with hand surgeons and physical therapists at clinics in North America for patient referrals. When it comes to competition, there are other digital physical therapy startups out there, such as Kaya Health, Sword Health, Hinge Health, and a handful more. These companies are mostly focused on preventing back and knee pain from worsening to the point that it needs physical therapy or surgical interventions and hence sell it to self-insured employers who carry that intervention risk for their employees. We instead are helping patients who do need physical therapy. You've broken your wrist, you're off your cast, you need, you need PT. Your tendons are inflamed, you need PT. We also have a technological advantage in that we can track critical joints we're focused on better than anyone out there due to our proprietary sensing technology. Now, we're looking to serve 1,000 patients in year one of commercial launch. We focus breaking even in late 2022 and hitting revenues north of 60 million by year five. Our management and advisor team are uniquely equipped to help us scale quickly and with authority because of our expertise in digital health, wearable technologies, go to market in physical medicine, and scaling and exiting medical device startups. We're looking to raise a million dollars on a convertible note to enable full commercial launch in Canada. 900,000 has already been committed, and so only 100,000 is left or available. So the plan here is in Q3, we'll onboard 100 patients on the platform, and then we'll submit for our FDA paperwork and raise our next round of capital to enter the U.S. market. Here's how we win. Our product is complete. What's more, we've made $280,000 selling Tensor for clinical trial use already. Our patient satisfaction stands at 9.1 out of 10. We've secured partnerships that help us drive adoption. So to reiterate, product is ready, market is ready, and it's been disrupted to our advantage. And we have patients wanting to buy this now. So join us in our journey so patients are empowered throughout the recovery. So thank you all for taking the time to listen to this pitch presentation and here are my contact information. I look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you. Here is Glenda. Hello, my name is Julia Kimisarczyk and I'm CEO and co-founder of Glenda. Today we'll be talking about big data and uh, privacy protection. AI in medicine and big data. AI in medicine is a rapidly growing area. Deep learning is a prevailing approach to build AI-driven applications for medicine, and not only deep learning, but any kind of machine learning technique. Major challenge is lack of access to large volume of data, essential for training. The reason is that there is protected health information, so-called PHI, in the data. And if that information is not protected, there will be legal and financial ramifications, but most importantly, reputation damage. So let me give you an example. This will be a typical x-ray where you will have account number, the date of the exam, and patient's name, age, and date of birth, so-called burned into the image. So it's actually part of the pixels of the image. And that information cannot be shared. So the information will need to be blacked out like this. 
that's the challenge because how do you know what information should be blacked out and what information should stay? For example, the information in the upper left corner or the information in white in the lower right corner. So a little bit about us. We were founded in September of 2017. So we've done three years of R&D and our focus is patient privacy while enabling data sharing. And our intellectual property is uh, why we can do what we can do is uh, a heterogeneous hybrid system of multiple high-precision medium recall oracles that lead in combination to high-precision and high-recall performance. Our initial product is PHI sanitizer for images, described PHI for medical images and metadata custom fields in DICOMS. Current solutions. So one of the most prevalent solutions is manual or so-called template blast plancy, where if you know what you're looking for, you can create a template which will remove the information from images that are similar. And the keyword here is similar. This is expensive and this is non-scalable, especially if you're collecting information from multiple sources, so the similarity is not present. Uh, our answer to it is to create a system which is full automatic. The next current solution is Google and Amazon. They both have PHI identification and images solutions, but the caveat is that the images will need to leave customer premises and be shared with uh, Google or Amazon to be cleansed, and that will be a major privacy and reputation damage concerns. Our solution is to create a solution which will was customer premises based. So a little bit more about what we do, in particular our PHI sanitizer. It's full automatic, it doesn't require tuning, it doesn't require manual intervention. Images never leave pre customer premises for PHI scrubbing, and that's important. So software runs offline on secure customer premises, and the images are never shared with anybody, including us. The sanitizer handles multiple modalities and handles multiple image formats, DICOM, JPEG, PNG, TIFF. And it's designed to be easily incorporated as a node in a workflow. Underdacted images come in, redacted images come out. Same format, same structure. And that's it for today. And I'm looking forward to your questions. Thank you. Next is Infinite Arthroscopy. Hello, we are Indago, and I'm Yuzha Malinsky, CEO and co-founder. I am presenting today with Leah Brownlee, our president. We started Indago because we believe that while innovation in surgery was moving forward, it was lagging other areas, particularly in the operating room. We are a patient-first company and aim to benefit patients like the one under the drape by lowering surgical risk. To do any minimally invasive procedure, a surgeon needs a specialized camera and light to see inside the body. Today, all of these camera systems are connected by wires to surgical towers, and all those wires put patients and staff at risk. There are wires everywhere in today's operating room. The endoscopic or minimally invasive surgery market is a $54 billion market annually, and it is ripe for total transformation. This is Arthrofree, our first product and the world's first fully wireless minimally invasive surgical camera. Briefly, let's look at how current systems work with their multiple boxes and wires to the camera and Arthrofree, which is a modular plug-and-play platform that will improve operating room efficiency, improve patient outcomes, and reduce cost per case. The heart of the Arthrofree wireless surgical camera is our disruptive and patented Indago light engine. This technology also has the potential to transform how light is used in all industries. You can see the form factor of our light as compared to a striker light box behind it that is used in today's operating rooms. Our light engine uses 100 times less power to illuminate a high-quality, instantaneous image. Arthrofree will solve industry problems. Without wires, many risks and costs associated with minimum invasive surgery will be reduced. 
risk of hospital-acquired infections from the wires being contaminated, trip and fall risk from these wires being draped across the surgical field, and the use of our patented light system will reduce the risk of patient burns and operating room fires by eliminating the very high temperature light wire. R3 free also saves time, which may mean that more surgeries can be performed. Our first target market is arthroscopy, which is a $4.1 billion global market annually. And there are more than 6 million arthroscopic surgeries performed per year in the US. Competitors in the space include Stryker, Smith & Nephew, and Arthrex, but none of these companies have a wireless surgical camera, and their wired cameras all look and feel the same. Arthrofree is different because of our wireless system, our low power and low heat and integrated light, and our ergonomic design. This is what key industry experts have said about Arthrofree time and time again since we started Indago. Thank you, Eugene. To bring Arthrofree to market, we will obtain FDA pre-approval through the 510K regulatory pathway. Arthrofree is a near final testing phase, and we plan to submit our 510K in Q3 of this year and expect to receive marketing clearance in early 2022. Our 510K will cover broad indications for use of Arthrofree, covering the vast majority of minimally invasive surgeries. From a patent perspective, we are competitively positioned in the wireless surgical camera space and have broad protection on our lighting technology. Today, we have issued patents and pending applications around the world, which extend until 2036 and 2038. Now, who are we? Indago has a small team of experts that collectively has decades of experience in the life sciences industry. Eugene is a serial entrepreneur, and before founding Indago, he founded Dragon ID, a medical device consultancy in orthopedics and cardiology. As president, I bring 15 years of experience that has spanned from being a big law attorney focused in life sciences and venture capital to serving as an executive at a public biotech company. We also benefit from a professional and engaged board, which includes a former orthopedic surgeon and hospital administrator, the CEO of OrthoFix, and a very well-known financial expert. Now, looking forward, in the next 18 months, we will transition from a pre-revenue to a revenue-generating company and enter into the time zone that companies that look like ours partner with bigger strategic companies. In addition to bringing Arthrofree to market, we will rapidly accelerate the next generation of Arthrofree-related products, and we will invest in our IP and product portfolios to develop light products in medical and non-medical applications. We are looking for investment and for introductions to industry, surgeons, and facilities that could use Arthrofree. Please let us know if you can help. And here is Caliber Labs. Hi, Sharks. My name is Dr. Rick Angelo, and I'm the Chief Medical Officer for Caliber Labs, and I'd like to share a revolutionary advance in surgery with you. Surgeons want to provide the best possible care for their patients. So what's the problem? Surgical variability gets in the way. Each of us brings a different level of training experience to the OR and therefore a different set of skills. Up to 41% of the time, errors can occur during surgery. We know that healthcare costs are increasing and a portion of that increased cost is related to the management of errors, complications, and suboptimal outcomes. Patients, therefore, don't really have equal access to the best possible surgeons. We aim to democratize that process for patients and assist in bringing the best possible surgical techniques to the OR. At Caliber, we are focused on providing a key part of the answer. 
We're building an AI-powered surgical toolkit to help surgeons achieve greater accuracy, consistency, and efficiency. Our real-time surgical software solutions marry the skills of the surgeon with the precision, accuracy, and help of AI-powered information and guidance systems. Caliber is for surgeons and by surgeons. Surgeons have identified the necessary solutions and provided surgical data for Caliber to create labeled data sets, enhanced AI models with training, applied best possible solutions, and developed digital tools. Those tools and solutions were then validated by our surgery advisory board, returned to Caliber for refinement and optimization before deployment. AI works for surgeons. The surgeon sees and recognizes. Caliber Pilot Assist recognizes anatomy, pathology, tools, and activities. The surgeon plans and recalls. Caliber Surgery Assist recalls pinless landmarking or digital Sharpie functions. The surgeon measures and estimates. Caliber Pilot Assist measures using digital precision in a fraction of the time. The result, the first-of-its-kind AI-powered surgical toolkit that augments the surgeon's skill and allows them to operate with greater accuracy, consistency, efficiency, and confidence. An anatomy checklist can be formulated wherein the structures are highlighted to the right as each one is seen in this shoulder arthroscopy. The structure once identified is checked off. As you can see, the supraspinatus has not been seen adequately until the end and hasn't been checked off so far. This ensures that our diagnostic arthroscopy is accurate and thorough. With Blue Dot technology, we essentially have a digital Sharpie. This dot has been placed on the femoral condyle and relative to the surrounding anatomy doesn't change position, despite the change in view provided by the camera. And finally, digital measurement. A simple probe uses beginning and end points to identify and accurately measure the distance. This can actually be performed in a curvilinear fashion as well and is just as accurate. Over 200,000 minutes of arthroscopic video have been ingested to create 41 models for deep learning. An AI sidecar is tower agnostic and will function with any vendor's equipment. Human perception is on the order of 50 to 60 milliseconds, and the sidecar inferences at less than 5 milliseconds. This all is leading us on a path towards semi-autonomous robotic surgery. So Sharks, who wants to partner with Caliber and help us to shape the future of surgery? Next is Kelahealth. Hi everybody, my name is Bora Chang. I'm the CEO and founder of Kila Health. Kila Health is an insight as a service platform that enables the improvement of surgical care. Hey, my name is Eric Wong. I'm currently Chief Data Officer for Quality at Duke Health. I'm also Director of Duke 4 to our Health Data Science Center. I'm a founder of Kila Health. I was interested in solving a problem that would shift the whole paradigm of how we deliver healthcare and start to improve the quality of the care that we're delivering to our patients on a more holistic, systematic level. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Dr. Alan Young, Head of Clinical Partnerships with Kila Health. 
My clinical training was in orthopedic surgery, and I am passionate about the use of artificial intelligence technology to improve both the patient and physician experience. Kela Health is a dynamic surgical intelligence platform that predicts each patient's risk for complications or readmission for, by using machine learning and the latest statistical methodologies. We recommend differentiated clinical actions or interventions that are based on the risk level of the individual patient. And finally, we continue to monitor the patients after they are discharged from the hospital to collect outcomes and deliver those insights back to the surgical teams in a timely fashion. Our platform is deeply integrated within the electronic health record at the point of care where surgeons and their teams are able to access the Kela risk scores and recommendations seamlessly in their existing workflows. There's no need to manually enter any data or create new reports as we pull all of the data automatically from the EHR every day and send this to the physicians and teams. We're even accessible on mobile and send to each physician or surgeon a secure email message based on their clinic or OR schedule. Our key clients and partners include surgeons at Duke Health, Cedars-Sinai, Move Health, and Intuitive Surgical. Through different case studies across multiple subspecialties, we've seen a 20% reduction in readmissions, a 41% reduction in surgical site infections, and a 50% reduction in relative costs over time through direct use of our platform. Surgeons have been extremely happy with Kela Health as demonstrated by their consistent engagement with our platform. 90% of all new predictions are viewed by the users, and we have an 81% daily usership. We continue to add value across the entire health system in many ways. With growth, we can enhance the digital engagement of new patients by personalizing patient care to improve their access. On the operation side, we firmly believe in the right patient, the right surgery at the right time. And this can be achieved by optimizing use of resources, as well as adhering to surgical clinical protocols. This allows for improving of quality outcomes by reducing complications, preventing readmissions, improving patient safety, and ultimately avoiding costly penalties by Medicare or other programs. Kela Health truly believes the future of orthopedic surgery will remain dynamic and technology-enabled. We believe that through data, we'll be able to provide clinical decision support to surgeons and their teams. We believe that our platform can be adaptable to multiple subspecialties, and also we have tremendous staying power with a platform that is easily adopted by surgeons and can be scaled across multiple locations. In the wake of COVID-19, there is a clear momentum to shift surgeries from the inpatient setting to outpatient or ambulatory facilities. This is one example where Kela Health can really add value is in the determination of care venues for surgical candidates with varying risk factors. From the first pre-op consultation, Kela Health can provide the team with risk assessments to inform clinical interventions to really help optimize patients and ultimately allow the surgeon to select the most appropriate venue to have the surgery. We help by reducing length of stay, as well as minimizing complications for same-day surgeries in the amatory surgery setting. We're excited to share with you more about Kela Health and our platform. I'm now open for any questions and answers. Fantastic. This was really a great, great videos from uh, the companies. Bonda, Mark, are you ready to roll? We're ready. Perfect. Uh, now, the first one is uh, Lucas is with us from Tensor. Hello. Okay. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Lucas, I'll uh, start with a, with a question that it's uh, a little bit related to your uh, technology. I kind of scavenger for the patent, and I saw that actually you are departing from the usual application of IMUs and uh, sensor that 
are normally using this still. And uh, your your device is actually is a gesture recognition device that seems to have also some force recognition capabilities. Can you tell us a bit more about the technology and how it relates to your pending IP? Yeah, uh, great question. Thanks for that. I think the probably the easiest uh, is everyone to join me in a quick exercise. So hands up to the video if you can see me. Take your right hand, place your left wrist. Everyone can join me, so please do so. And now make a fist with your hand, all the judges too, if you like. Open your hand, wiggle your fingers. You should be able to feel your tendons and muscle moving. Do you feel that? Sure. Thumbs up? You do? So what you feel is what we measure, and that's a third of our sensing technology. It's called force myography. My co-founders and I are pioneers of this technology, and we've protected multimodal sensing approach to tracking an appendage with a wearable device that is done on a limb that is proximal to the appendage. So, you know, a wearable on the wrist that can track the hand and the wrist, one on the ankle that can track the ankle and the foot, for example. So this allows us to measure what we consider clinically relevant parameters. So, you know, going back to IMU, that's where we start, but we have way more to go. So we can do like, we can measure hand functionality, grip strength, tension in the tendon. And that's what our IP protects in many ways. It also protects the novel sensors and hardware required to capture that signal, the data methods being able to Actually, the data methods tra- uh, developed to able to track the hand. We've also patented the methods of use of the device fit within the therapy workflow and crucially to reduce the risk of injury. Thank you. You know, I applaud you for trying to address the uh, real lack today and future lack of physical therapy, starting with the hand, which is mainly in my orthopedic practice, a lot of workman's comp. So my clinical algorithm yeah. What I'd like to know from you is how, if the patient is responsible for buying this device, will the physician know in real time if the patient is not keeping up? Because like any joint, the hand will become very stiff if they yeah. do not meet their milestones. So help me understand the algorithm for that. Yeah, so so definitely. So maybe I'll take a step back and share how we bring this to market because we have devices in every clinical partner that we so we have clinical partners across the board. We deploy Tensor there. And when patients acquire request access to Tensor, this is they're being work, they're working with or under the guidance of a physical therapist or rehabilitation professional. So that information is being shared with them. Today at the MVP stage, just to manage expectations. A PDF with your range of motion assessments, your compliance to to your therapy and to your rehabilitation program is shared. And we're in the midst of building our therapist dashboard slash control center and bringing it into the cloud. So the whole goal is for it to be fully integrated and provide a, I would say, a a full platform for the ecosystem. And that's really important because from a regulatory perspective, this is being used under the guidance of a clinician. Hey, that's great. You know, I'm going to be, I'm the show me the money guy. Yes, so, yes, let's do it. Yeah. The, the challenge in these businesses, and I've invested in, I'm an investor in a company called Luna, which is a marketplace oh. for therapists and, yeah. and the like. Okay, how are you going to get past your first mile? It's, this is a marathon. Tell me in two years what you're going to accomplish. So as an investor, I need to know that you're going to take my money today and you're going to get somewhere that's really important so you can change the world. Thank you. Yeah, so great question. So within a year of commercial launch, so we're raising capital right now to enable full commercial launch. We already have a medical device establishment license in Health Canada. So we just started onboarding our first commercial patients. It's a small number. We had four patients. But product launch is, is earmarked for May, June of this quarter. And the goal is to serve 1,000 patients in year one of commercial launch, both through our direct consumer channel and our B2B2C channel. And to go back to, and the financing required to do that. So the goal is once we have hundred patients on the platform, we'll follow FDA paperwork, raise our second round of financing to enter the U S market 
But once we've hit a thousand patients, and there are two comparables in the market that have done this, both Sword Health and Hinge Health, have raised their Series A past a thousand patients. We plan to raise our Series A to grow the market practically. I okay, don't so know if that answered your question, Mark, or if you want. It, it, it sort of does. Are you going to? Are you telling me that clinicians can save money or can basically improve outcomes? What are you? Where? Are you? Uh, so they can improve outcomes and they can actually make more money. And the reason for that, I'm talking about the dynamics in the clinic right now. What's happening? First of all. This can be used for differentiation. Second of all, this is being used to better clinical outcomes, as you mentioned. And third, right now, clinics are impacted due to COVID-19 and people not coming into the clinic. This gives them an additional revenue stream, allowing them to enable telehealth, telerehab. In addition to this, I want to, the biggest, what we think the largest value proposition here for Tensor is, is the impact to address what we call the dropout rate in the industry. So right now, not a lot of people speak about this, but a lot of patients go do three, four sessions. They have 12 prescribed and they drop out. They don't go back because of multiple reasons. Because And in the bottom line, there is the lack of engagement. And lack of engagement leads to lack of compliance to therapy. And okay. what we have built is a way to engage a patient between those rehab sessions. In other words, patients that are more engaged end up using more sessions. In other words, that clinic that is helping or partnering with Tensor ends up making more money. Got it. Thank you, yeah. Lucas. I think, uh, you know, we don't have a time for more questions. Oh. So, yeah. you know, thank you very much. My it's pleasure. Fast. Thank you all for the questions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so now we have the next, we can bring Julia in. Hello, Julia. Hello. Okay. So, Bonda. Well, Julia, I think you've tackled a big problem in getting data into AI systems, but Help me out here. I'm a simple clinician, or not really, but I'm going to put that hat on right now. What is it you actually do? You're just de-identifying data to put it into, make it AI available? Simplify it for me. Yes, that's exactly what we do. We cleanse so how, are you, how are you different than the myriad of other people addressing de-identification of data? A couple of things. One of them is that most of the time it's done manually and our solution is full automatic. And a lot of times, for example, Google and Amazon offers that particular solution. It requires the uh, images with PHI to be shared and with, with the third party. Whereas what we provide is in situ, meaning that the images are cleansed on the premises so that the images with PHI are never shared with anybody, including us. But you're absolutely right. What we do is very simple and we intentionally keep it simple. We take the images with PHI in them images is our first product, and cleanse it so that it's possible to share those images without any uh, patient privacy concerns. Thank you. Question that I have seems to me that then your software is installed locally. Uh, it's not cloud-based, isn't it? And so how do you navigate the issues that always accompanying in installing software into the ITs of the medical center, which is very complex, as we know, you know, how flexible are you in accommodating that and how you mm -hmm. integrate with the different EMRs? And That's an excellent question. And we can work locally, we can work in the cloud, but we solve this problem by creating a single executable. We're compatible with any vendor because it's a very simple command line interface. It's just the one executable that, that you can install on anything, including, you know, a regular laptop. And that's our solution. Big question. I'm wearing, although I'm wearing a, you know, a Google, I'm, I don't work for Google. I'm wearing, <laughs> realize I'm, I'm dressed Googly. Look, Amazon and Google and Microsoft, they all want to be in this space. Have you displaced them anywhere? Do you have customers that have said, I can't get Amazon, Microsoft or Google to work? I need you. Um, we're just starting. 
right? So we're not yet at the point of displacing any of the big guys. One of the biggest differences between us and them is that we do work in situ. We work with the, uh, the images are never shared. The, our software is installed on site. It can be in the cloud, it can be in the basement, but it's, it's on site. And what we offer is full automatic and what we offer is works in situ. When you're talking about Google and others, the images will need to be shared with them to be processed. And that's a big no-no. So in our conversations with potential customers and customers, that's one of the big showstoppers for them. They can't allow themselves to work with Googles of this world because, you know, we've all seen the scandals with reputation damage, perceived or non-perceived, but still the reputation damage uh, right. So you're, you're the nice guy. You're the nice guy. And your nice guy is that you're, and you have the secret sauce that basically you can do a lot of this stuff locally. I think it's all going to come down to really your, your first two or three implementations and references, right? That's right. what it is. So yeah. how are you going to, what money do you need to raise before you have that data? Actually, we don't, uh, we are self-funded and we are working with the potential customers right now, but you're absolutely right. Like with any startup, the first three customers are the key. So we are, you know, let me give you a shout out. We're looking for people who would be interested in working with us. So if you know of anybody, please contact me. Got it. Well, look, if this works, you have the dream. We, lo I love it. Get it to work. As an investor, you know, I'm going to sit down like this and I'm going to wait. But as a customer who basically has had the problems with Google, Amazon, I, I love it. And I wish you the best. Thank you very much. Thank you, Julia. And uh, we're bringing Eugene now. Hello, everyone. Hello, Eugene. We'll start. Eugene, I was so excited to see your company because uh, as an arthroscopist, my entire career, I'm standing there saying to the rep, saying to the nurse, if we can put a man on the moon, why do I have 97 cords hooking me up here, right? <laughs> so I am so glad that someone has finally done this. Uh, but what I want to know is, why hasn't somebody done it before? What's taken so long? Right. Wonderful question. So you're right. It's the year 2021 and nobody's gone and uh, created a wireless surgical camera system. And the reason is that there are significant technical challenges to making a safe operating room grade wireless surgical camera system. And uh, to create Arthur Free, we actually had to invent a new safe and low power lights. And we had to also solve for other challenges, including uh, video latency, battery power, sterilization, a lot of other things. So this took a lot of the last five years. And we are, we are now is actually the point uh, that we're going to be submitting to the FDA for approval later this year. And the one thing I'll add is we've shown this to arthroscopists across the country, and this is actually arthro-free. We've shown it to arthroscopists across the country, and we've received absolutely glowing responses and remarks. I have a, you know, a more technical question, which actually was, has been also raised from one of our reviewers. How, how much weight does the camera do? the handpiece add to the handpiece, the whole wireless systems? And have you actually measure what the fatigue on the surgeon could be? Yeah, great question. So because of the way that the wires are situated on the current system, they actually add weight to the handpiece as well. So we actually know the weight of our system is about 400, 420 grams. Um, that is not actually much more uh, than current systems. It's actually lighter than some of the newest systems from some of the larger companies. But we've also gone above and beyond 
where we've actually spent a tremendous amount of time doing human factors, actually formal human factor studies to get to the shape and the design that we have in order to really create a device that is comfortable for surgeons across the board to use. Uh, so we've had shoulder surgeons, knees, hips, um, all of the sort of uh, orthopedic surgeons tried out. We've even had smaller like wrist surgeons and non-orthopedic surgeons tried out. And the responses on the actual weight and shape and how it feels in their hand uh, generally are incredibly positive. And honestly, the number one response that we get is after about five minutes of using it in like a cadaver is that, oh, I'm just doing surgery wirelessly and I've pretty much forgotten that I have something new in my hand and I'm just much more free than I've ever been. Right. And that's the greatest compliment we can get. Thank you. Mark? Well, I'm not the doctor or the clinician here. I'm going to focus on, look, the guys with the towers have a lot of power, you know? And uh, so I think of the strikers of the world, the JJs. And so are they blockers or are they friends, frenemies or enemies? Frenemies. So let's put it this way. We built our system to actually sit on top of their existing systems, right? So all of these surgical centers and hospitals, they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on their tower systems and especially on their EHR systems. What we've done is we actually created our wireless receiver to plug right into their system. So we eliminate the cores, we eliminate the fiber optic and the video, but we actually plug right into the video of their system. So we, in a way, rely on them to be there, but we're also looking, obviously, to make headway against them. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're probably going to become very good friends with one or multiple, but at the moment, we're looking at them as friendly competition. I get it. So basically, you're, you, look, you need to get a beachhead. You need to uh, cooperate with these guys. You're not displacing them. Can you extend the life of the existing towers? One yes. would think you could. So you're an amazing new feature. And if it works, um, we know where this ends up and probably ends up your, you know, some part of the, uh, the oligopoly. I get it. Perfect. Thank you much, Eugene. Can we bring uh, Rick now? Thank you. Morning. Hello. So I, I have a, a, you know, just a quick question for you. Is this seems uh, what Calibre is, uh, is developing is a great educational and training tool. And uh, from your perspective, you're an experienced surgeon. You know, why an experienced surgeon should, you know, be using this? Yeah, I think the beauty of this system is that it will be useful for all surgeons. I think different aspects of it and different tools will be used by different surgeons. So the trainee surgeon will benefit from the recognition, the guidance systems, they'll get proximate feedback for learning. But the community surgeon who's out practicing that doesn't necessarily do a high volume of all surgeries, when they have the, the ability to have guided templates, suggested dissection planes, uh, avoiding no-fly zones, where should I put my anchors, those guides are going to be very helpful. And the expert surgeon that has the ability to measure precisely in a fraction of the time or use a digital Sharpie to mark points, it doesn't make any difference how much you experience you've got. Those are very valuable tools that save you time and improve your accuracy. Thank you. Bonda? Well, thank you for bringing this uh, to the bone tank. And I think the number you quote of data points that you got from your surgical advisory board is impressive. I don't know, hundreds of thousands of cumulative hours, but come on, we are both experienced surgeons. Mm -hmm. And my first question is, 
there are differences in training and opinion based on two sides of the country, which fellowships you went to, you can't. And so my real first gut response is, how did you get the cats? Like getting surgeons to agree is like getting cats to hurting cats, number one. Number two, unfortunately, a large amount of our data is still level three, four, five in expert opinion. What are we doing here? How do I know as a long-term surgeon that the people that you have built the algorithms around are people that I even trust or would want to take advice from? So great question. The algorithmic development will occur over time as you add to the portfolio of procedures. And our model essentially is to use Delphi panels of expert surgeons to obtain consensus opinion. As you said, though, we've really got to have the information that says this type of algorithm necessarily leads to better patient outcomes, and no one quite honestly has that at this point. But if you have a few trainee surgeons giving you data, and if you have a few mentors compared to 40 or 50 of recognized expert surgeons, certainly that's a much, much stronger and valuable opinion. Thank you. Mark, you're up. Yeah, I get this. Uh, you and our, our next speaker, at uh, Kayla, you guys are, are farther along than the first companies. You've raised a little more money. Instead of a connect the dots. So when does the magic occur? And here's the magic. When do you get basically to put on your website how much time and how much money you've saved on behalf of your clients where they can fill in a calculator that says, how many surgeons do I have? What are the procedures do I have? What are the costs per procedures? And basically, Caliber saved me X. When's that magic going to happen? I think that's probably end of 22, maybe 23. But our first product, we expect before the end of 2021, it's a patient communication product. And that model, we have almost 200 signed surgery deals with ASCs that will be employing the patient communication tool Valare to begin with. And as that gets impacted, we expect $50 per case will be how we get reimbursed for that patient communication tool. And then we'll, as we improve and populate those other procedures, then that will grow. Nice. Well, look, this is one of these dream AI stories. So uh, make it happen. Uh, Super excited. And, uh, you know, mom, you know, thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Can we bring Alan in? Hello, Alan. Hey, good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you to be with us. So my first question is, what distinguishes your surgical AI ML solution from other risk prediction model or calculators currently available? Great question for retail. I think you know, we heard earlier this morning, AI is starting to kind of take hold across, you know, different medical practices, surgical practices. Uh, what we do a little differently is, in addition to taking a national database of surgical patients and building a model, we then work with our individual clients to build a localized model through what's called transfer learning that really helps improve accuracy because we're retraining the model on local surgical data from those patients that have gone through that system. So geographic differences, surgeon differences, so they're taking account. Uh, the second part is the team was founded by physicians and surgeons and developed over time with input from surgeons and different subspecialties, which is different than a lot of other companies that maybe have maybe came from outside healthcare and are applying data science to clinical medicine, but never really consulted with surgeons on the ground to really make sure that what they're looking at in terms of the data was relevant. And third is that we're kind of built into the physician workflow. 
We integrate deeply as we can with the EMR. We fit in and understand how clinicians and surgeons and teams function on a day-to-day basis. Do they prefer a text, an email, going into Epic, going into an EMR? Where do they want this data to surface? And I view Kila Health as kind of that invisible super resident that's really looking through the entire database of information for each patient and then coming up to the attending and saying, hey, this is what I found based on everything available to me that no you know, individual human or team could have done. Thank you, Alan. Bonda? Well, Alan, I have so many questions, and, and I think this is a really interesting project. But And I understand that your product predicts risks based on the data. It helps make decisions. But as a surgeon in the patient's room, in my outpatient clinic, I'm making decisions in real time. So I'm not likely to wait an outside opinion or analysis to indicate surgery. So I'm wondering, does this do this in real time? And if so, which of the seven orthopedic subspecialties is your best first use case? The total joints, the tumor, who is it? Great question. And we actually do exist in real time because as as we look at, let's say your schedule for the day, you have maybe 10 pre-op patients you're going to go see. We can surface those risk scores for those patients before you step in the room. And that gives you an idea, okay, is my patient ready for surgery? Are they optimized? Should I wait? Do they need to have nutrition or smoking or weight counseling? Then what we do is we update the risk score. So actually, after you've seen the patient and the day you actually plan to have surgery, you can actually see a change and see if any interventions that you ordered at the time you saw your patient based on our risk predictions had in relative impact. So that's kind of in real time. We surface this to you preoperatively in clinic, day of surgery, even post-op to show you how the risk scores have changed. And we try to track those outcomes. And out of the, the different subspecialties in orthopedics, we're primarily focused right now on arthroplasty, total knees and total hips. Uh, the partner we're working with is also an amatory surgery center that does a lot of joint replacement. So we're looking to really help them stratify, make sure they're operating on the right patient safely in the right setting. And we hope to work more with inpatient programs as they kind of try to decant surgical volume from the inpatient setting to the outpatient setting, using our tool to maybe help them make those tough decisions, say, is this patient suitable for a same-day surgery or outpatient procedure? And can we optimize them to make them safe uh, in the event they're not ready yet? Mark? Well, just like Caliber, you know, look, you guys have raised, you raised a lot of money. What a, it's a fantastic vision. I, by the way, love your super resident analogy. I think that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, you should be called super resident. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Michaela has an okay name, but I like super resident more. Um, so it's kind of come down to the same. Cedar said that basically, I believe that they could, could save $3 million. I believe I saw that in your website. Tell me, when are you going to have your calculator? When can I basically plug in, okay, how many procedures are you doing? What are your ty- outcome types? What are your costs? What are the types of procedures? When are you going to be able to show that magic on my website? So if I'm basically running a clinic or I'm running a practice or I'm in a larger you know, provider, I can basically plug in a f- few numbers and then basically speed dial you. Yeah. And, and great news is outside of orthopedics, uh, we've already demonstrated that. So we'll be able to share kind of one year of cumulative data in a surgical specialty, looking at the direct relative impact to things such as surgical site infection, complications, readmissions, and the relative value that Kela Health has saved that department. Within orthopedics, we're about to launch our you know, outpatient arthroplasty project. And I think within six months, we'll have kind of tangible data, but you can kind of extrapolate. I mean, although different surgical subspecialties are different and everyone's unique and everyone's patient is unique, 
you know, when you talk about a surgical site infection, if you can show you've consistently demonstrated that improvement in different subspecialties and you go into a subspecialty within orthopedics that is having a challenge there or there's room for improvement, then you can almost, you know, we're pretty confident we can make the same impact with the proven process and methodology we've demonstrated. When you, when you get when you get there, you know, your next round of capital is going to be super easy, right? But basically when you get a large provider to put their name on your website that says, you saved me X dollars and also basically uh, save me on N readmissions, you know, show me the money. You're in a perfect state. Great project. Super exciting. I uh, look forward to following you guys. Thank, Thank you, all the judges and Doc SF. Well, we made it. Thank you very much to our finalists, Tensor, Glender, Indago, Caliber Labs, Scala Health. And uh, most of all, thank you also to my co-hosts, Vonda and Mark. On behalf of all of us at DocSF, the Digital Orthopedics Conference in San Francisco, thanks for listening and for joining our community. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review and tell your friends. If you're interested in joining our team, participating, or being interviewed on DocSF, please let us know. If not, please join the revolution and listen up for our next podcast. Podcast.